What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Alright, Tale of the Tapes, Season 2, Episode 56. On today's episode, we got DMX and Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. So, on top of the artists covered in this episode, we have a very special guest today. A huge DMX fan, my cousin, the one and only Chucky. What up, what up? There he is, the Chuckyton. So, first and foremost, obviously, thanks for being on the show with us today. I know that DMX is one of your favorite, if not, maybe your number one favorite rapper of all time. So, I felt like it wouldn't be right to run through this episode without the Chuck. Definitely favorite of all time, bro. Number one for you? Yeah, bro. Just, I'm not mad I'm at it at all, bro. I'm listening to him, and it just stuck with me. And his whole attitude and persona, I just loved everything about it. I'm not mad at that at all, bro. Now, in this part of the show, I usually give my expectations and predictions on each artist covered today, which at the end of the day really has nothing to do with any scoring or anything at all, but I do like to just at least get it out there so people are aware of like who I like and who I don't and can draw conclusions from the fact that I may like someone and they may finish low as well as I may hate someone and they may finish high. But... Before we get into that, let's talk a bit about your relationship with DMX. Like I said, I know that you're a big DMX fan, and I remember trading you my DMX autobiography for your Muhammad Ali book. I remember having a 40th birthday party for DMX some years back, and I'm also aware that you actually attended DMX's funeral, but what I'm not fully aware of is exactly why you're such a big DMX fan and how and when that actually started. So if you could speak to us a bit about the stories that I just spoke on and explain to the listeners and myself how and why you became such a big DMX fan. So when I was younger, I don't remember exactly what it was. My aunt had taken me to the TV store that used to be by, by the house. And I just saw it talking and telling it, and hell is hot. I saw the album. And I bought it. It was and a good. It was a really good choice, bro. And I just happened to, you know, just everything about it. Like I played it, I loved it. It was aggressive. It, it was, it, it was a lot of different things all in one. And I was probably ten, maybe eleven years old when it came out. Yeah, because you're like what four or five years younger than me, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So I probably bought it in '99, maybe 2000. You know, I probably didn't get it on its release date. So I might have been a little bit older, you know, and just everything about it just seemed so genuine. <clears throat> and it wasn't that it was so, so great in the sense of what he said or how he said it. Right, like it technically good. speaking. I was just drawn to his personality and the way he did things. Yeah, it's one of my favorite, top 25 favorite hip-hop albums of all time for me. I mean, and then from there, I obviously just followed up with his, his other albums, I mean his early shit's easy to follow up on he had so many so quickly yeah and all majorly successful he had great three great albums yeah so it's it just kind of snowballs from there and then he just kept putting out great music and great music and then towards the end he he kind of fell off but he still had some dope shit 
That's interesting, though, bro, because I, I, I don't think, and it's weird because we've spoken about, we speak about music often, and we've spoken about DMX many times. I don't think that I was aware that it was just a random buy that you just happened to just love and just stayed yeah, with it. Really like, I was, like I said, maybe 10 years old, 12 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. So this was before the internet. There was no YouTube. Yeah. I mean, that shit was just starting up. So it wasn't like, oh, I had a reason that I picked it. Like, that, that debut album, the album cover itself. So I was like, just going to say to you, bro, sometimes when you would walk in those record stores, just the uh, you would just see the album cover, and you're like, I don't know what this is, but I'm getting it. He just had that, like, crimson blood-colored backdrop with himself. Yep. It could look like it was pouring off of him. And I don't know. I was just intrigued, and I just I went with it. And, and bro, that, that album in itself speaks for itself. So let me ask you this. Did you did you finish the, the autobiography when we traded books? Did you read that whole thing? Well, the way it actually went down is I borrowed it from you. Okay. I had read it like four or five times. And you <laughs> he said he read it four or five times. No, like no exaggeration. I remember reading the book and finding the errors. In the book, the book is called uh, Earl. Ever Always Real Life. It's yeah. a biography written by Smokey D. Fontaine. Recommended if anyone likes DMX. So I borrowed the book. I read it a few times. And you're like, yeah, bro. Like, I read like three pages of my book. The Ali <laughs> Rap book. Yeah, bro, I, st- I still like, never finished the Ali shit. So then it just got to the point where it was like, bro, I'm just going to keep this and you keep that and I'll just, whatever. Like, if I want to borrow Ali rap, I'll, I'll grab it. And then, like, the irony is, I lost my book in Hurricane Sandy in 2012, I guess that was, which is probably three years after we made the trade, and I probably read the book about 20, 25 times. Crazy, son. Three years, because he really was just a great rapper and he was somebody that loved his music and I mean bro we threw the guy a 40th birthday party without ever meeting him I know and like bro. for those of you who think we're exaggerating we're not like we poured out 40 <laughs> shots of liquor <laughs> 40 40s like literally 40 40s were bought that night we went to three different stores to pick them up yeah that was and that was like seven of us. and we were just drinking like madmen like it was DMX's birthday party we made we rigged together a list of like all of the songs we could find. Yeah, we had a DMX playlist, yeah. We played and, nothing like, but D that, that night. So, you know, we might have only had 80% of his works on that, but it was just a great night. And then, you know, you touched on the funeral. It wasn't the funeral that I actually went to. It was the escort okay. from Yonkers. Okay, there you the, go. At the uh, funeral home to the Barclays Center. Okay. So, we had, I had joined the motorcycle club and was in it at the time and they're like yo you guys were a spin-off of the Rough Riders so you know you're invited to come do the, the escort with us so they lined up first the club I was with lined up right behind them and bro like we just went from Yonkers to, to the Barclays Center for those of you who don't know New York City there's five boroughs we yeah we got listeners in, in other countries here so good good explanation there we fucked up traffic in 80% of the city and that's not an exaggeration because we had to come through the Bronx we had to go over the Triborough Bridge which connects Brooklyn, Queens and I'm sorry, it connects Queens, Manhattan and the Bronx and by going over there was no exaggeration, probably 5,000 motorcycles that day well, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, bro, but the video that you sent me, I mean, as far as you can see with your eye in the video, everything was just you guys well, Rush Riders paid a film crew well, I guess it was their film crew 
but there's like videos of on YouTube, and they're 20, 30 minute videos, and they're ripping by hundreds and thousands of bikes. Yeah, bro, it was crazy. Yeah. So then, like, like I said, we come down through the Bronx with the South of Yonkers. We go over through the Triborough. So we fuck all of Manhattan's traffic up because so the west side, I'm sorry, the FDR connects over that way with Harlem 125th Street. So traffic's all fucked up that way. It fucks everything up. We got to cut through Queens nonstop, and we're not stopping. So this is just chaos, just ripping down the highways in New York City, shutting the shit down. And then we get to the Barclays, which is uh, a bad area traffic-wise on a good day. You throw 5,000 bikes up there, and it was just insane. And who's doing burnouts, and who's wheeling down highways, and who's doing whatever like you could, craziness you could think of. Yeah, that and, video you sent me was nuts, bro, and I'm sure it didn't even do it justice comparatively to actually being there. Yeah, I mean, bro, that video, I, I was standing in... I was maybe 1,000 vehicles behind the lead when we started. At that point, there was probably like 1,500 of us were able to like feed because he, he he wasn't carried in the hearse he was carried on a monster truck with big double R's everywhere and it was a bright red casket so like we were able to see it but I wasn't exactly close to the casket to it yeah but, you know I was close enough as you can be with 1200 people in front of you so it was a pretty sick experience and it's kind of an honor and, and a curse to like escort your, your favorite musician to the grave yeah of course bro so going to the Barclays Center was, was a lot, of, you know, prideful moment in the sense of, you know, like, I get to do this for him, but also very sad in the sense of it's DMX and I'll never hear another song of his again. Right. I mean, again, bro, like, you know, not to call someone's death cool, but it is fucking cool the way that we're sitting here. I mean, we're joking because obviously it was fucking hilarious and we're retarded. We're joking about having a 40th birthday party for him shit like we we really legitimately did that and in no way shape or form did you know back in that day when we were doing this dumb shit like this that you were going to escort DMX around for his death so I mean it's crazy the way that that turned out bro that you happen to be such a big fan of him and just happen to you know have this opportunity because of the connections you have and shit so that that is cool but it's bittersweet yeah it definitely was bittersweet and it definitely is ironic you know, or crazy, or, or so whatever word you want to use, or coincidence, that all these different things randomly happened, that I randomly picked that album up to throw him to do the birthday party, to escort him on his week, so it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, I mean, bro, you're gonna see even going forward, we'll talk about it more, and this happens on episodes, it's, it's really, really freaky in this fucking podcast, and it's obviously not just the podcast, because this is a real-life experience we're talking about with you, but there are some insane, ironic, you know, quote-unquote coincidences that have been going on in this shit, and there's one that we'll talk about later in this episode, but let me just say that, for me personally, DMX was one of my favorite rappers of all time for a while when he first came out, as I'm sure that you're probably aware, considering the fact that I had his autobiography. I mean, that wasn't an accident. Um, On top of that, I had almost every DMX album, aside from his two most recent ones, and like I said earlier, his first album is in my top 25 favorite hip-hop albums of all time, and his next two after that, I absolutely love as well. Um... On top of that, to this day, bro, DMX has a good five or ten songs at least 
that are in my top 100 favorite hip-hop songs of all time. And I also assume through our talks and discussions over the years that you're aware that I was not a very big DMX fan in the latter stages of his career. And I'm not necessarily just talking about his music, but just him in general as an artist and a person. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a person whose demons caught up to him in the long run. Obviously, we all know what they were. There was a pretty well public battle with a lot of shit. So music definitely fell off. But, you know... Unfortunately, that's just the way some people are, and you're not really going to stop musicians, athletes, or whatever from ruining their own lives. I'm not that impactful. I've never met the dude, so I've never had a chance to try to talk him out of it. Just the way shit goes, and I'll give you that. But his last few albums, I was not a fan of at all. Well, I mean, religious person and the praying stuff to me after a while got old. Yeah, I mean, well, I hadn't heard them until. I got up to this study, I mean, and that was partly the reason I didn't hear him because like when they, you know, when shit most, for the most part, when new shit came out and I was already doing this study, I was like, all right, I'll listen to it when I get to it because, you know, I'm, I'm on a time constraint and I don't need to keep listening to the same albums over and over again. I'm going to listen to everything. So, um, as far as what you were just saying, you know, with like DMX as a person and shit like that, obviously... You know, we don't know the dude. We can, like, as a person, we only know, you know, what we saw of him and, and shit like that. But it's, I mean, and this is, I guess it's kind of just human nature or, or maybe I'm a fucked up person. I don't know. But for me, it's it's for some reason, and I'm not really even consciously sure why, but now that DMX is no longer here, that whatever it was that I had that I disliked towards him, that that's gone now. Like, it's like, okay, you, you can't, you know, there was a point in time you, you weren't here. You didn't exist, at least as that person. You come here to this earth. You do what you do. You did a whole bunch of good shit, a whole bunch of bad shit. And like you said, your demons caught up to you. And now you're gone. And it's like, I have no reason at all to be upset with you. Like, you did nothing to me, and, you know, I don't have any particular reasons to say, nah, man, I don't fuck with DMX as a person. I'm not the type of dude that, like, oh, he was on drugs, I don't fuck with him. It, it wasn't anything like that, because I'm just not really that type of person. It was more so, like, a combination of, you know, the drugs, I felt like the music was taking a hit, I felt like some of the things he said were, like, you know, I, ironic to the point where it's like, all right, I, I can't really listen to that coming from him. So it wasn't just like, oh, he's on drugs because, you know, I've taken plenty of drugs and I've liked plenty of people that have taken plenty of drugs. But like I said, he just kind of let it spiral his own life out of control. Yeah. And it said, you know, he made great music. Unfortunately, you know. When he started doing that shit, his music kind of went down with him a little bit. And it's a shame because he ruined a lot of good shit that could have happened. Because mm -hmm. look at Rough Riders, and nobody in that really took off like anyone should have taken off. Yeah, well, you know, I mean... That, you had, you know, Swiss Beats was an up-and-coming, and he was the biggest guy to blow up, like... Right. No, you... could have been so much more success out of that camp. You had Eve, you had Drag on... Out of, out of the whole camp, I agree. I think there could have been more success collectively with DMX included. Yeah, and I think he was a downfall of it with, with, his, with his issues. Yeah, 
It's it's unfortunate, bro. And what makes it even more unfortunate is and I'm not I'm not trying to point fingers here. I'm just trying to give an example, you know, so maybe more people can understand. When you look at somebody like Suge Knight, who's accused of killing Easy E and accused of this and is a well-known person where if things are not going his way, he's going to force them to go his way. It's like, you know, you don't it's not something like that where DMX got into like an altercation or a dispute and snapped out and fucked Rough Riders up. It this is was definitely clearly not something that DMX wanted to do. DMX didn't want to fuck Rough Riders up. DMX didn't want to, you know, go out like this in the latter stages of his life having things end like this. So it's that that to me makes it even more unfortunate is that it's not even anything that anyone wanted. It was just Something that, you know, whatever way you want to put it, it couldn't be helped or whatever. Yeah. He's just one of those people who, who has great highs and great lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very similar. Tyson, one of your favorite people, has, has those highs and lows in life. Yeah. He was never able to, you know, just stay high. But if you're talking musically, bro, the Oh, D's a legend, bro. Legend... Legend may not be good enough, <laughs> you know. Like he, he is that's a valid of, statement. One of the fifty greatest artists of all time, I would say. I can't argue with it. I mean, for a long time, I don't want to say he was the face of hardcore gangster rap, but he kind of kept it alive. After the Biggie and Pac thing, there wasn't many hard people spitting that type of aggressive attitude that he had. Well, I mean, bro, in that little fucking time period. You lost Tupac, Biggie, Big L. I mean, I get it. you know, I get so. It. I'm, not, I'm not, not saying that there's nobody who did it, but for a long time, for a good three year stretch, he was the only one who did it. And he, he carried the torch. One one of the few, yeah. Yeah, not the soul. One of the few who carried the torch and kept it alive. And he was just so unique with that barking and that. Oh, yeah, aggressive tone. Like, there's nobody to have matched his aggressiveness. There's few who have come close. Pretty, pretty much everything about him was unique, though, bro. Yeah. He, he just, and then, blows your mind, because one minute he's killing you, raping you, and robbing you, <laughs> and the next minute he's being like, there's grandmother, like, I miss you, like, come back, please. That's, like, I'm begging you. Know, that's D, bro. Life. That's D. And it, it's so emotional either way, but even this, the, the emotional, like, thoughtful shit is like, Wow, like, you're aggressive, bro. Like, I fuck with it. Yeah, and that's how, that's how you know, I mean, that's part of being a human, bro. Like, there's gonna be days where you fucking feel like killing somebody, and there's gonna be days where, you know, you, you, like, given this example, what we're talking about, you see your grandma, and you fucking love your grandma, you know what I'm saying? So it's not, well, which is it, bro? It's like, it's everything. I'm a human being, and I go, I experience different things, and that's how you know that, you're getting the real from this man because he's bringing you his emotions regardless of what they may be on any given day. He's just letting them out, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a few people who do it. It's just his, I don't know, bro. It's just his his approach to things. Like, he's one of the few people I've, I've read life stories on multiple times. And I, he's a fascinating I, person, I bro. how things happen and I can kind of... I don't want to say understand what he's thinking because obviously I'll never understand another person's thoughts totally, but I can see where he's going. Yeah. I can see like 
oh boy, he's going to do something stupid again. <laughs> and then it happens. You, you just notice his behavior, and unfortunately, you know, oh, well, he's doing too good. He hasn't been in the news for a year. Yes. Oh, DMX gets caught out of the water and stolen an stolen car with cracking it. You're right. He, he did turn yeah. in, and I'm not saying this derogatory, but he did turn into one of those people where... When you didn't, and Eminem had a period like that uh, at one point, but Eminem obviously, luckily, or whatever word you want to use, was able to overcome it. But yeah, bro, DMX did get to that point. Mike Tyson was like that at one point where it's like, yo, I haven't heard this dude's name in a minute. He's either dead or he's going to do something crazy soon. Yep, and he did the ridiculous thing. Right, so. And I also relate to that. Well, you've known me for a long time. Yeah, you're, you're a ridiculous person. It's going too great to too bad. It's back to like even greater than it was, but then worse than it was. Yeah. Then there's like a middle spike. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I just kind of related to him. Like, obviously, like I didn't do live the life he lived. Right. But my reactions to things were similar to his. And <laughs> as I got to like understand why he was aggressive and shit, it just drew me in more. Well, the thing is, bro, you could have. Like a mouse. When you and Mouse listen, it's like, oh, I get it. Like, yes. No, I get it. I, I can't explain it any further than I get it. Yeah. Which explains it. If you get it, you get it. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, to me, bro, it seems like you and DMX, and I and I don't say this as the 40-year-old DMX and the, and the 30-year-old you. I'm talking about, you know, when you guys have first come into existence you guys could be a very similar energy in the way that you perceive things and, you know, shit like that, but have been raised in totally fucking different scenarios that obviously are going to contribute in some way, shape, or form to the way that your brain and your perspectives all develop as you're growing up and you, you grow into an adult and shit. So, to me, that that's probably something where it's like, you're similar people that were shaped in really different ways by their circumstances, like, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's quite possible. It's definitely possible. However, I do find the one the one thing that shocks me personally is his love for animals and my total disinterest in them. That is true. I mean, your total disinterest in them is kind of odd to me, regardless of DMX loving animals. But yeah, it is kind of ironic when you think about it. <laughs> But, so listen, now, I'm going to bring up something here that I've spoken about before, probably on Nas and Helter Skelter's episodes, but that you actually may not even be aware of, which is pretty crazy considering how much we've discussed DMX and music in general over the years. So, when I was a kid, and we're talking like mid-90s here, so like 10 to 15 years old, maybe not even as long as up to 15, but... I used to have like a like a marble notebook with and I wrote out like a calendar like one month was on each page and each night before bed I would write down what my favorite song was and DMX actually had two of the top five longest standing songs of all time with Get At Me Dog and Slippin so did, did I ever tell you about that did you know about that those books I just, yeah, when I when I was, you know, going over when I called you the other day and I asked if you wanted to be on and I was thinking of it and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bring this up and I don't even know if he knows about this. So 
An odd dynamic there of someone who was one of my favorite rappers early on and then tailed off into someone I wasn't particularly too fond of. Now... What was the other song? Slippin' In. Get At Me Dog. Two really good choices. Slippin' is one of my favorites. I mean, bro, I was just outright obsessed with those songs for, for months. Like, when I tell you that they were the longest standing songs... They were written down, and and once one got a break, it was a break. So it was just however whoever went the longest in a row, and get at me, dog, and slipping probably got written down for over sixty days consecutively, maybe closer to ninety. That's that's sick. It's super sick, especially considering my age and how much like. I was crazy with music, like, you know how you are when you're younger and you have mad energy, and on top of that, I was relatively new to hip-hop, so I was just bouncing around, oh shit, Nas, Eminem, DMX, like, all these people were relatively new to me, so I was having, like, a fucking grand old time with these albums and shit, like, you know? It's odd, because when we're talking, and again, this is not to say that, like, I, I ever hated DMX or anything like that, but... It was definitely somebody that when you're looking at shit like this, like there's a lot of things about DMX. One of his albums is in my top 25 of all time. Um, He has two of the five longest standing songs that were my favorite songs. He's got at least five or ten songs that are in my current all-time 100 favorite hip-hop songs. So there's definitely a lot that I like there, but it's just an interesting dynamic that later on... It was somebody that I wasn't too particularly fond of, but none of that means anything about DMX's actual skill level, achievements, or accomplishments in music. So, like I said before, this section is basically just to get our opinions and predictions on the artist, so I've been keeping lists of random predictions we've all been making. Me, you, Amanda, Roach, Dirty. Um, So... I was looking through the predictions before we did this because I just automatically assumed that there was going to be a DMX prediction from you. And for some reason, I didn't see anything in your predictions about DMX. So I'm going to have to ask before I get to DMX, about where did you expect him to finish in this study? Uh, not very great, to be completely honest. I was kind of on board with that, too. Only because he's got two careers. I agree. And I don't mean that to be funny or silly. You look at his first five albums. He did something nobody in music history ever did. Literally. His first five albums debuted at number one. Not rapper, not hip hop, musician. That's insane. Yeah. Pick any genre and you have people you'd be like, bro, Michael Jackson did it. Nope. Oh, Tina Turner did it. Nope. nope. <laughs> Name anybody. In any genre, and the answer is no. He was brash enough to tell you on his third album, two albums in one year, three albums in two. He was spitting shit faster than anybody was doing it. Bro, he put three albums out in 20 months, and they were all number one bangers. Yeah, and they were, and I love all of them. Totally random. Everyone should go follow the Frenchie Cannoli hash page. It's amazing. Appreciate the insight. <laughs> it's a great page all about hash. I may look into it myself, so I appreciate it. So, as far as my expectations were concerned, 
I kind of expected DMX to finish somewhere around like the upper middle. Like I don't want to say I expected him to finish in the middle, but like, you know, if I have 450 people total, maybe somewhere around like 175. So being that we have 179 artists done so far, I would say that I was expecting him to finish somewhere around like 75. I knew that he boasted plenty of accolades, but I also never really thought that he was like technically that great. And I also expected a steep fall off on his later stuff, which I think I remember me and you generally agreeing on. Yeah. And it's funny because the fall off, he went from borderline classic album, every album, to good albums. Right. I mean, some people's fall offs are great and good albums. Bro, like the dude, the dude was doing like crack. Like I'm not even trying to be funny, and his albums were good. Listen, I'll do the list. I think it's four albums. Suck, kind of. Well, when you compare them to the first five, that's that's the thing is comparisons and expectations. If you listen to them solo, they're not terrible. They're not good. They're okay. (laughs) You know, right in the middle. Yeah, well, he's got a few good songs, and then he's got a few stupid songs, and a few songs you're like, "What the fuck?" Because you're both. Yeah, like I said, prior to you know me just doing, and I I didn't do him long ago, so prior to me just doing him recently, I hadn't heard them, and I and I knew, you know, I'm a couple months away from doing DMX. I'm not going to take time out of my day to go listen to this new DMX album that, quite frankly, I didn't expect to like very much anyway. So. I can promise you as the shit was coming out like I listened to it and if it was as you should and I was like bro like you have to listen to this stop what you're doing you would have done it yeah 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 for sure for sure I've known you since you know 89 when you I'm sorry I've been talking music to to you since you know the 87 88 89 in the beginning of rap we've talked from literally the beginning of the study yeah bro so But I also know how bad he could be. I expect him to finish top forty overall when it's said and done. Fair enough. So, with opinions, predictions, and expectations of DMX added away, let's do the same for Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Although I'm sure both of us have a lot less to say about these two than we did about DMX. So, first, just just give me a general thoughts and opinions on Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Are you informed on them? Were you a fan? Did you dislike them? Whatever. I'm totally uninformed on both of these dudes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same thing for me, to be quite honest with I you, bro. I kind of get stuck in these modes where, like, oh, I'm having a great mood. Like, I want to listen to 20 songs. And I don't often go outside of my repertoire to be like, oh, I got to listen to this guy. Yeah. When you did their study, you didn't tell me, like, yo, go listen to this guy. So I didn't really go and open their genre and they're like, Right. And say, oh, he's good, he's bad. Like, I know nothing about these guys. I'm kind of on the same page with you with that. But let's get a quick prediction from you on Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, just for the fuck of it, to make this section of the episode a bit more interesting going forward, since neither of us really have any ties to either of these guys. Lord Tariq, you said, one of 450 artists, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to wind up being about 450, yeah. I'm going to say 219 overall when it's all said and done. All right. Fair enough. 
What about Petey Gunn? Same thing, right around the same spot? Nah, he's, he doesn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say like 284. All right, all right. So, for me, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns are just your classic one-hit wonder. I personally wasn't aware of much to do with either of them at all, for the most part. Of course, I knew Deja Vu, but couldn't really have told you what I thought of their skill level, and I can't say that I expected too much from them in this study, although, again, I wasn't very well informed on them, so I could be wrong, but... Alright, so... Now comes the part of the show where we get into actual facts, statistics, info, all that type of shit. So all of these artists had their debut albums out in the calendar year of 1998, but DMX's was out first, so we'll start off with him. Born Earl Simmons, December 18, 1970, in Mount Vernon, New York, United States. Died April 9, 2021, in White Plains, New York, United States. Other names, Darkman X and The Rough Rider. Years active are listed as 1991 to 2021. His origins listed as Yonkers, New York, United States. And his genres are listed as hip-hop, East Coast hip-hop, gangster rap, and hardcore hip-hop. So, I want to say a couple of things here. First and foremost, rest in peace to DMX, a hip-hop legend and one of my childhood favorites, no question. Now, I don't know how many episodes of this show you've listened to so far, or if you've noticed how many insanely ironic coincidences we've had on the show, but we got another one here today. So, not only are we very freshly removed off DMX's passing just being last year, but it is almost to the day his one-year death anniversary. So... Most people that listen to this show know some of the crazy, ironic things that have gone on in this podcast. Seemingly impossible, quote-unquote, coincidences like Biggie and Tupac finishing in a dead tie, Jay-Z being episode 44, um, you know, this episode airing the week of DMX's one-year death anniversary, so absolutely insane stuff there. Seriously, almost feels like at this point, like it's divine intervention and it's all going exactly as it should. So cool stuff there, but obviously you never want to see anyone go. And, you know, part of me feels bad for DMX. Never want to see anybody in that state. But, you know, part of me kind of feels happy for him, bro. I mean, the the guy seemed to suffer for a, a pretty decent time there. Yeah, he had long battles of good and bad. Like you said, bro, it got to that point where when you didn't hear from him, you worried, like, is he dead or is he about to do something crazy, like? Yeah, it's just a shame. He's just got the great music. Yep, well, we won't go off on another tangent about that, but let's read up on some background information on DMX and see what that looks like. Let's go. Earl Simmons, December 18th, 1970 to April 9th, 2021. Known by his stage name DMX or Darkman X, was an American rapper and actor. He began rapping in the early 1990s, and in February of 1998, he released his debut major label single, Get At Me Dog, on Def Jam Recordings. The single received an RIAA certification of gold. His first major label album, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, which included the single Rough Riders Anthem, was then released in May of 1998. 
The album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart in the U.S., selling 251,000 copies within its first week of release and sold over 5 million copies in total. In December of 1998, he released his second album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 and went multi-platinum, making him the first rapper to ever have two platinum albums in the same calendar year. He released his third and best-selling album, And Then There Was X, on December 21st, 1999. It was his third album to debut at number one on the Billboard 200. Its most popular single, Party Up, became his first top 10 hit on the R&B charts and was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance at the 2001 Grammy Awards. The album was certified six times platinum and was nominated for Best Rap Album at the 2001 Grammy Awards. He was the first artist to debut an album at number one five times in a row on the Billboard 200 charts. Overall, DMX has sold over 74 million records worldwide. DMX was featured in films such as Belly, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, and Last Hour. In 2006, he starred in the reality television series DMX Soul of a Man, which was primarily aired on the BET Cable Television Network. In 2003, he published a book of his memoirs entitled Earl, The Autobiography of DMX. So, lots of stuff there for DMX, and that's no surprise to me at all. Although, we do certainly need to point out some extremely, extremely impressive feats here. Over 250,000 copies sold his first week of his debut album, which then went on to sell 5 million records. So, Wait, hold on. I got a question before you go any further. Go ahead. What's platinum? How many? A uh, million, I believe. Okay. So he went 250,000 in his first week? Yeah. That's fucking insane. Bro, there's so many out-of-control statistics here. Another. Another multi-platinum showing on his sophomore album of the same year. <laughs> I didn't know he was the first to do it in the same year. Yeah, bro. The first, do five, the first five. That's even more impressive. Yeah, bro. <laughs> his third album was certified six times platinum. That's six million records. Yeah, just on that album, yeah. It was also nominated for the Best Rap Album at the Grammy Awards and also boasted a top 10 hit, which was nominated for Best Rap Solo Performance at the Grammy Awards, as well as being the first artist to ever debut five number one albums in a row in the Billboard Top 200 charts. Well, that's, that's the most impressive musician ever. Yeah. When you, you do know, something that supersedes hip-hop music... Anybody, the Beatles, like, what? <laughs> yeah, crazy, bro. Insane. And he sold over 74 million records worldwide. And again, not to say inappropriate things, but with the recent passing of DMX, those numbers are bound to go back up even more over the next couple of years, I'm sure. On top of that, there were some movie and TV appearances for DMX, as well as... The book that we spoke about earlier on in the podcast when we were given opportunity. Yeah, I mean, 
I probably would read it again if I if you get it again. I'll have to borrow it when you're done because I'm not even I, sure if I ever finished it, bro. And it's funny because you said you lost that book in Sandy, and I lost your Ali book in my house fire. No, what are the odds? Two polar opposites, water and fire. <laughs> no, I mean, bro. Listen, all the all the ironic coincidences in this podcast and me and you, it's it's not that far fetched, I guess, with me and you. <laughs> Oh, man. Too many, too many times. Only the fans knew. <laughs> so, very, very impressive stuff there for sure, regardless of what we were or weren't aware of prior to this, no question. So, now let's dive into my breakdown of DMX and see how that reads. I hope that Chucky doesn't hate me for anything I'm about to say here. <laughs> nah, because I probably, I have, probably have similar feelings. Alright, so... DMX was yet another artist who I was extremely fond of growing up, but did not realize they were technically as good as they were. Early on, DMX was very impressive lyrically, showing a great ability to utilize different rhyme schemes and rhyme many syllables. As his career continued on, it became clear where drugs started to have a negative impact on DMX's music. He used a lot more run-on bars and had some lazy lines. I also noticed instead of even actually rhyming, a lot of times he would just repeat himself and he did say a lot of things that sounded like the drugs were thinking for him. Yet he still remained a decent storyteller who had some undeniably impactful lines. On top of all this, the dog was excellent at being able to keep a topic for an entire song and finished above average lyrically overall. Throughout his 23 years in the game, DMX only registered 8 albums for scoring. The good news was two of those albums were classics, another three were great, and the remaining three were good albums. Those are pretty solid numbers, although each album after the first was worse than the one before it, except for his very last one. Of his 133 total qualified songs, not a single one was weak, 15 were great, and another 68 were good. That means over 50% of his songs that he ever made were good songs, which is another impressive stat for D. As far as impact on the hip-hop game is concerned, a lot needs to be taken into consideration. As far as accolades and successes are concerned, for DMX, they were there, but only in periods. That being said, DMX is a legend in the hip-hop game, and it goes without saying that he is and always will be a household name in the hip-hop community. He was also the first rapper ever to go platinum twice in the same year and the only artist to have their first five albums debut at number one. On top of all this, he had clear visible impacts on Eminem, Big Pun, Jay Forms, Lord Tariq, Nick Balls, Ludacris, Method Man, Afro Man, Hussein Fatal, Merce, Tech, Juvenile, Exhibit, Busy Bone, Spice One, Snoop Dogg, Prodigy, Sticky Fingers, Fredro Star, Tragedy Gaddafi, Master P, Redman, Keith Murray, and a few others. When it came to originality, D had so many things going for him. From his delivery, voice, rhyme style, and overall sound, to the things he said, his subject matter and image, X was without a doubt a very unique artist. Although at times he did get a bit contradictory, hypocritical, and even ironic on his message about drugs and violence, again, I think we know why a lot of this was happening. The fact that he had some super original song ideas like Damien 1, 2, and 3 and Ready to Meet Him, amongst others, 
solidifies what a one-of-a-kind character DMX was. So, definitely a bit of give and take there, but mostly sounded like a solid write-up for D. Um, was there anything in there that you'd like to highlight? Anything you deemed super important or accurate or on the flip side? Is there anything in there that you disagreed with? <clears throat> Not that I necessarily disagree with or agree with totally 100%. Alright, so with that out of the way, let's break down the numbers and see how it adds up for D. The moment of truth. So lyrics, he gets a six. Like I spoke about, bro, first of all, I, I just, and again, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I was overly surprised with how technically good he was, bro. Like, it it, it kind of caught me off guard, and again, we were just talking about this before we got on the podcast. We were talking about Raekwon and rhyme schemes and things like that bro you were just talking before you whatever you were 10 years old and i was 13 14 years old shit like that so i can't i can't sit here with a straight face and tell you i was catching all of these rhyme schemes and all that type of shit when i was you know what i mean so and his songs his songs meant a lot to me it's like what you were saying where it's like okay i don't necessarily relate to his life circumstances, but we saw things in, in a lot of the same ways and had a lot of the same like reactions to things where I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I, I, I understand what he's getting at. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit strange to have somebody that I like that much and I just never really, you know, and again, that's not to say he's incredible. He's not one of the greatest lyricists of all time, but I, I didn't realize that he was as good technically as he was i i'm surprised he got that high of a score i would have predicted like a five and a half that's kind of more what i was thinking like that five and a half slash five range like but he's not he's not a lyricist he's not somebody who's gonna blow your minds no he's not but he was and, and keep this in mind too bro is i don't want to say that he got bad because again we we spoke about it those later albums were still scored as good albums even though i personally certainly didn't enjoy them the way i enjoyed the first couple but again that has nothing to do with the scoring but yeah lyrically there were definitely times bro where i could tell like dmx was was having trouble you know what i'm saying and and that it counts bro you know what i mean like unfortunately we know why it was happening, but it still is the product that he was putting out, and I still do have to score it. So I'm I'm going to say, in my honest opinion, if DMX didn't have those troubles and was able to, I don't know if I want to say stay sober, but, you know, able to not do that stuff and, and keep climbing, I think DMX could have probably, yeah, I think he could have probably got up to a six and a half, bro, if he would have kept trending in the same direction. Um, possibly. He's just not the, the guy that's going to blow your mind lyrically. He's not the guy who's going to make you say, what? Time out, pause, rewind. No, no, no. Uh, Definitely time not. Out, pause, rewind, because I'm not catching it. But he was also, and, and it's called Tale of the Tapes, and you know I love boxing, and I equate a lot of things to boxing, so I'm going to equate it to that guy where it's, you, it's that fighter where... Well, he's not the hardest hitter in the sport, right? Look at Andre Ward. That's probably a good example. Andre Ward's not the hardest puncher in the division. He might not have the best chin in the division. He's not the fastest guy in the division. But overall, he's probably the best guy. So DMX was one of those people, bro, where it was kind of like, 
No, he wasn't mind-blowing. He wasn't, you know, like an Eminem type where you got to keep rewinding and you're like, yo, what the fuck did he just say? But he was able to incorporate a lot of different things, bro. He had, you know, points where he had good rhyme schemes and it was like, oh, okay, D. Like, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that that consistently from him. Then there was times where it was, you know, eight syllables and two bars. And then a couple bars later, he'd do it again. And I was like, okay, shit. Like, he's doing this pretty consistently. And then we all know, anybody that listens to DMX knows that the guy obviously had some deep, impactful lines, bro. Yeah. So, again, not mind-blowing, but better than I expected. So, my question it's kind of a backtrack what was your favorite song by him uh if i had to pick one song by dmx my my number one favorite song ever okay i want to hear it hmm i probably gotta go slipping bro i I don't think you're gonna like my answer it's close for me between like three songs but i probably gotta go slipping my answer is go to sleep i love that song it's just not one of my favorites of his but i do love that song I love it because it's three hard motherfuckers going hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I absolutely love that song, so you're not going to get any rebuttal to that from me. <laughs> but if I had to say favorite song of his only, Slippin's probably the answer. Yeah, I think I got to go with Slippin'. That song is fucking amazing. I mean, he's got a lot of them. <laughs> he does. He has a bunch of great songs, bro. Like, there's uh, immediately, when you ask me that question... Right off the bat, 10 songs come to mind, and then I was kind of relatively quickly able to narrow it down to like three, and then I had a really tough time giving you an answer after that. Uh, Go to Sleep is always number one in my mind. That's funny, And it's sad because like my favorite song by my favorite rapper isn't his song. Yeah. It's a guest song. I love that song. What the fuck? (laughs) Like my favorite song should be Slipping, or it should be like one of the other shits. Nope. It's gonna be that song. <laughs> I listen. I have no issues with it, bro. <laughs> yeah, but it pisses me off because, like, my favorite song by my favorite dude should be yeah, his song. I know what you mean. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I know what you mean. All right, so albums, it gets a five point seven three with two classics. Now, I know that you don't necessarily know what exactly what five point seven three means, but. And there's not really like a name or a range that I'm going to give for you, but that's a really solid score. And two classic albums is obviously a good thing. So across the board, this is tremendous stuff here from DMX in the album category. What's what's the total score? Like what's the highest total score? As far as what you can get on an album or what do you mean? Yeah. Well, three three would be, if you got a three on every song, then your album would be a three, but no one's done that. And everything, everything is multiplied by 3.3 because everything is out of 10. So let's say, for example, and obviously, again, this would never happen, but let's say you got threes on all five of your albums. Then I would multiply that by 3.3 and your album score would be like 9.99 or whatever it is. What? And what's his? 5.73, which is a really, really good score, bro. So it's out of 10. Yeah. But that's not... That's not just like, what do I think that is? No, no, no. I'm not asking you anything. I'm just telling you what it is. But for example, like an average album score, like let's say of one, like I don't want you, you're saying it's out of 10. 
So it's 5.73. I don't want you to think that that's towards the middle because an an average album score would... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously nobody's going to come near a 10. All right, so songs, he gets a plus 1.1. And again, that's really solid, bro. So I always tell everybody, first of all, if you don't have any great or any weak songs, you just even out. You just get a zero here. You break even. You don't get any points. You don't lose any points. This is a category where you could actually lose points. So let's say you got no great songs and 25 weak songs. Depending on what your total number of songs are, you'll lose some points. That being said, it's usually a very small amount of points that people are either gaining or losing because we're doing two decimal places here. So... A lot of times people will get like plus point zero eight, plus point zero four, random shit like that, which is obviously extremely insignificant. But I always say if you're getting plus or minus a full point in this department, it starts to become significant for sure. Because then you're adding like a almost a point one to your total score at the end, which could slide you up ten spots. So This is a solid number here for D, and just to go back over it again really quick of how he got the number, he had 133 total qualified songs, he had no weak songs, and 15 great songs. So that came out to 11% of his material, slide the decimal place, he gets a plus 1.1. Well, what's more impressive, no weak songs or 15 great songs? I mean, bro, out of 133 songs, and again, I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm being dead serious with this. Out of 133 songs, and you were smoking crack and died of a drug overdose before your career should have been over, and you still never laid a weak song, I I have to be extremely impressed by that, bro. Yeah, but he's over a 10% great that you said he had fifteen great songs. That's that's true, and he also had uh, over thirty six qualified songs. One hundred and thirty three. Still more than ten percent. Yeah, eleven percent. <laughs> and and over fifty percent of his songs were good, which is crazy. So definitely impressive stuff there for D. <laughs> Impact he gets an eight, and again, bro, like this is. This is unarguable to me. Like, he has to be in that top third between that 7.5 and and 10. Like, DMX is an absolute legend, and he set a whole bunch of records. Now, I, I, again, I don't want to be a dick here, bro, but I have to be objective. Like, that's my job in this study. The guy was out for 20-something years and had, like you said, three albums in the first however many months, 20 months, whatever it was, um, and then in total only wound up having eight and everything started to just tail off little by little after that first album. So again, a legend that set a lot of records, but a legend that fell off and died before he should have and who's, you said it earlier, DMX has two careers and I'll, again, I'll compare him to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson also had two careers. You're talking about, you know, the pre-jail custom model, Mike, or you're talking about bald face tattoo, Mike? Yeah. So both of them have to be taken into consideration. But again, bro, nonetheless, DMX is a legend. That's obviously a great score, and I I don't really think that that one's up for debate. If somebody's going to tell me DMX didn't have a huge impact on the hip-hop game, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I mean, it, it was almost 
a perfect storm and they missed. Because you have Swiss Beats, who's nasty. I mean, bro, sometimes... Swiss is nasty. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what anyone says. Dude's nasty. <laughs> I mean, bro, even if even if you don't like him, he, he made right. hits. Like him, hate him, it doesn't matter. He's nasty. Jada, nasty. The Locks, real hip-hop heads will say, nasty. Are they the greatest rap group of all time? No. Could they have been? Nah, probably not, but it would have been nice to see them try. Still nasty, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... No, like, they were a one-hit wonder, bro. Like, cool, but, like, they were still dope. Like, to see them try, like, I give them their props. Well, I'm going to give you two examples here, though, bro. Um, One example I'll give you is, like, an all-star team, right? And, you again, you know this from sports. Me and you played sports our whole lives. How many times you see where the best guys just get thrown together and it's like, oh, they're going to fucking murder everybody, and then they don't yep, because, they yeah. Because they just don't play the right way and it just doesn't, it's like too much of a good thing and it just, for whatever reason, it doesn't work. Another example is... I and slam them over the glove, not give the assist away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So another example is, look at hip-hop, bro. I mean, you had, there were, there were periods in time where you, you had rosters like this, right? Rockefeller's roster at one point was ridiculous. <laughs> what? I said, I see, you win. I can't argue that point. Yeah, Rockefeller <laughs> had a stacked roster at one point, fell apart. Uh, Bad Boy had a stacked roster at one point, fell apart. So, like, this is, you know, it just seems like it's just too much of a good thing sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, if only we could fucking fix retardedness. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just humans, bro. <laughs> I just think humans just fuck shit up, bro. All right, so... Originality, he gets a nine. And again, bro, it's it was just everything for D, bro. Like he had his own fucking look. He just had the jeans, the Tims, just the the wife beater with the the chain, the tight chain on, like the thick chain holding his pit bull. He just had his own look. He had his own sound with his you know with his music, like just his overall sound. I mean, you even you said, bro, like. When I asked how you got into DMX, you're like, yo, I walked in there and I, I just seen the cover and it was just, it just drew me to him. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was just everything with him, bro. His delivery, his voice, his rhyme style, his overall sound, just the random shit that he said, bro. Like he said plenty of things where he was the only motherfucker that was saying that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, bro, he, he was just... Wow, aggressive. Yeah, so he... <laughs> like, if you've never listened to him and you listen to him, like... He's there. He's something else. <laughs> wow, like, that's going to be your first response is like, this dude's a little bit extra. Like, well, yeah, well, that was D. <laughs> yeah, so... And he brought it to rap and it was great. I feel like that nine is warranted. Yeah. All right, so... Now, I'm not argue with that too much. All right, so now you're going to add up these six numbers. Normally, it's five numbers, but DMX had two classic albums. So we're going to add up the lyric score, the album score, the two points for the classics, the song score, the impact score, and the originality score, and then divide by five because of the five categories. Gives you a okay. final rating of 6.37, which puts DMX in 15th place of 189 artists done overall. Yeah! 
So, okay. so I am super impressed. Yeah, bro. Did not think that was possible. A really solid finish there for DMX, and even though I was a huge fan of him growing up, I'm not going to lie, this far exceeded my expectations as well of where I thought DMX would finish when all was said and done. So, man, I got to give props to DMX, bro. Not only some incredibly (laughs) impressive accomplishments, but a very, very solid finish overall. So major shout-outs and rest in peace to DMX for sure. I, I knew he's one of the greats. Yeah, he's, he's a legend. Top 10, not top 20. I thought he was top 50 in my opinion. It you looks have, like he certainly will be inside of there for sure. You have about two-thirds of a roster to go through. There's some people I think that should be way Nah, out. well, I'm almost, yeah, I mean, I'm almost halfway through, bro. He's definitely going to be okay, inside yeah, that man. top 50. Yeah, it should be. And I'm shocked. I didn't think he was going to do that well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess I, I I personally I lowballed him a little bit and I think that part of that had to do with like when I started getting to like a certain point in this study, bro, it started like fucking with my head. Like I started running into some people that was so good and I was like, Oh shit, like I thought I was listening to some dope people and I I fucked up like <laughs> Like, yo, these people are crazy, crazy. like... There's two people you've never turned me on to, and this blows my mind. One was Joe Budden, and one was uh, KRS-One. Yeah, well, KRS-One, not only (laughs) did you... and you failed, and I turned you on to KRS-One. Well, that's what I was going to say. Not only did you turn me me on to KRS-One, but you repeatedly tried to turn me on to KRS-One and I, I wasn't really having it. I didn't, I never, ever, ever said like, nah, fuck KRS-One ever. Like, I would listen to it with you, but after I listened to it with you, I would never listen to it again. So it was just, yeah, it was just whatever for me. Like. He'd be top 20. <laughs> Bro, KRS-One is one of my favorite rappers of all time now, no question. No question. I am bowing all of your audience because I told you all about them. <laughs> yeah, and I fucking, I, I'm, I, I don't know if you heard the episode or not, but I definitely gave you your credit for that in the episode, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, he taught me a lot. Yeah, well. one of the guys I taught Joey about. I mean, uh, I mean, bro, I fucking, I thought, you know, I was a hip-hop encyclopedia before I started this, and this has definitely humbled me in a certain sense, but I mean... I definitely am now. Yeah, bro. But I'm I'm definitely becoming a hip hop uh, hip hop encyclopedia now for sure. Like for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mind blowing the shit you've discovered. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. I mean, I've been really, really. I was actually just looking the other day. I don't know if I sent it to you or, or Roach, but I took a screenshot of some of the predictions, bro, and. I'm doing the worst out of all of us. Like, I have the most X's out of all of us. Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm a little disappointed in myself. <laughs> you know? I'm not. No, 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 I can defend you. I, I will defend Joey here. Please do. He's stubborn. Yeah, I am really this stubborn. This dude's going to spit a hot 16 on whatever he's thrown on. I'm going to listen to him. This dude's hot. When you tell him, like, oh, the random dude? Yeah. 
he's gonna get like certain people that he respects to hit him up and be like, listen to this dude, and, like he kills it. Yeah. He doesn't get that text anymore. <laughs> this is this now is all true. CBD products. <laughs> this is all true. This is all true. Things Yo, change, he's bro. He's got great CBD product. If anyone's looking for anything. Yo, Chucky's the man, so you bro. Know, shameless plug number three. <laughs> well, listen, this this season is probably going to be the last season with no plugs at all. So you're just uh, you're just ushering them in very nicely right now. That's all. You just you just a generous Chucky. <laughs> yep. All right. So before we move on, I have to ask: Do you have any qualms with any of DMX's scores or where he finished so far? Um, his impact, which is I was nine. No, originally it was nine. Yeah, impact eight. And what was the other score? Lyric six, albums five point seven three with two classics, songs plus one point one, impact eight, originality nine, and he finished in fifteenth place overall. So I have impact. You had eight originality. You had nine. Yeah. Slight disagreement. Originality, I think, needs to be up half a point. And impact needs to be down half a point. Okay, fair enough. I uh, I don't. Uh, however, I think they're fair, fairly good judgments. Fair enough. I I, I definitely yeah, and and neither will I. I definitely, and I've said this since the introduction to the podcast. I will definitely not argue with somebody saying DMX is not fifteenth. He's you know he's top. He's nine or whatever or. He's 25th or somebody saying this should be, you know, a nine instead of an eight and a half or something like that. I'll, I'll, we can, you know, that's fine. And quite frankly, there might be things like I don't have it all open in front of me right now, but I'm not sure about the number of people because it's not something that unless he particularly took a lot of shit from like a single specific person. I wouldn't have pointed out, like, what he took from people, but he may have, and I'm not saying that he did, because like I said, I don't have it in front of me right now, but there may have been a significant number of names to the point where I lowered it to a nine, because that seems like probably what happened, but I'll have to get back to you on that when I look in my phone and see how many how many names I have down for him for, for uh, influence by. I mean, part of the issue is the guys he influenced came a long time afterwards, <clears throat> and they didn't have success. Excuse me. They didn't have success with the Rough Rider label. Um, the, the Rough Riders. When, the Rough Riders. When Jada and uh, the Locks went, they made I, money and they fucking counted to it and all the bullshit. Yada yada yada. Yeah, their first album. Money. Yeah, the first album did well, but it didn't do as well as the the, the Bad Boy right. album. Right. So <clears throat> they did their shit. And it's like the greatest fucking disappointment. Y'all should have been nasty. Well, the thing is with the locks too, is that commercially speaking, aside from their first two albums, let's say, even though the second one didn't do as well as the first one, the second one did still do well. Um, Aside from those, no real like significant commercial success. But the locks definitely cemented a legacy in hip hop. Like they have their own cult following that 
they could just put out fucking a random mixtape once a year, bro. And people like me are going to go listen to it. Like, I just I just love the locks. Regardless of... Right. But the locks also... Reg- right. Like, huge influence from D. <laughs> like you, you can't deny it. What, that they were influenced by DMX? Yeah, of course. Well, I, again, it depends in, on in what way you mean. Like, if you mean in a business aspect and shit like that, yeah. But musically, no, they were the young motherfuckers in the fucking yeah. studio. Of he course, was them on the business. So it may not be like verbally, like yo, follow my pattern. And that's why I feel like D got an eight for impact because all that I I took the, all that shit yeah. into consideration, you know. Yeah, well, that's why. I slightly disagree. I'm not totally upset. So, balances out either way. You have the, the half, a, half a point either way. Well, it was a classic DMX discussion, and I'm very happy that he exceeded both mine and your expectations. Um, I don't think he's going to, because I think a lot of the new motherfuckers are going to out-wrap him, and that's insane. Mm, that's, it's possible. I, I can't, it's hard for me to speak on it because, like, I'm not overly familiar with a lot of the new guys. I mean, I know, like, Jake Cole and shit like that, but I, I'm not really, like, overly familiar with a lot of the new people. Alright, listen, a lot of them are not going to supersede them. Some of them will. <laughs> Sucks. I don't think he's going to say it. I mean, he's just. Far, like, when you get to certain people, like, he's going to get bumped. Yeah, well, just just averaging shit out, obviously, going forward, there's going to be people that are going to finish in front of him, so I do yeah. think he's going to move down. But I still think he easily isn't going to be inside that top 50, for sure. Top 50% of the top 50 all time? Top 50 overall, bro. I think he's going to be in the top... I think he's going to finish inside the top 50 pretty easily. hope so. Don't think he's quite that good. We shall see. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like I want to be like, yeah, bro, he's gonna do it. Uh. I mean, I I don't know if I if I really think that he will. My comment was just strictly based on like a law of averages. Okay. Of let's <laughs> say um this percentage through. Okay, cool. Multiply it by that. Where's he gonna finish? Forty sixth. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. So, but again, a lot of the new artists may score very high. And may push him back further than that, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he doesn't finish in the top fifty. But law of averages, I I think he will. Listen, ideally, I hope he wish like I hope he finished number one. It's not possible. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's probably not. Rapper, yeah. Like, of course, they want him to be number one. Realistically, he's not even top ten. To say, yeah, is top twenty-five. I mean, bro, that's still ridiculous when you think about the number of people. And and not only the number of people, bro. Not only the number of people, but it's one of those things where when somebody asks you to name your top, like, you think that you're, you're thinking of so many people right off the bat, and you're not even realizing, like, how many people you're forgetting. So, if DMX, and I'm just, I'm just trying to play a, a simple numbers game here. If DMX finishes in exactly 50th place... When you read that list of those 50 names, you're going to be like, yeah, all right. I mean, everybody on that list, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Because <laughs> there's just so many fucking people in it, so. 
trying to be funny. It's okay to be the 47th best basketball player to ever play basketball. Like, you don't have to be Michael Jordan. If you're the 47th best player to ever play basketball... You're absurd. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not even trying to be funny. Nah, I agree. Like, you're not the next Michael Jordan. You're not the next this, like... But you're still absolutely ridiculous at basketball. Right. Like, ah, I get it. I agree. All right, rap so like that. yeah, you're right. It's well, I mean, rap unfortunately has a lot of. I don't know if I'm using the wrong word here, but like double standards like that that really, to me, kind of don't make a lot of sense. It's like it's a culture that thrives on on smoking weed, but then if somebody doesn't have the best breath control or the best memory. They're immediately shunned and they're like not a good rapper. And to me, it's like there's so many odd dynamics. And I mean, aside from KRS-One or a handful of other people, it's generally kind of frowned upon. Like rap is more of like a young man's thing. Like it's, you know, you don't want to be the fucking old preachy guy. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like there's a lot of unfair stigmas that come with the hip hop scene in general. So, all right. So... Now let's get into Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, who had their debut album out together as a duo in 1998. Both members of the group did make the cut, so all of the group's work as well as each artist's solo works will count. We'll start off here with some background information on the group as a whole, and then move into each of its members individually. So their origins listed as New York City, New York, United States. Genres listed as hip-hop. Years active are listed as 1996 to 1999, and the members are listed as Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. So, I'm assuming nothing there comes as a huge surprise to you. Pretty obvious and self-explanatory stuff there, so let's read some background info on the group and see what that says. Lord Tariq and Peter Guns were an American hip-hop duo composed of rappers Sean Lord Tariq Hamilton and Peter, Peter Guns Panky from the Bronx, New York. They are best known for their 1997 single, Deja Vu, which reached the top 10 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. So, that's the classic background of a one-hit wonder right there. Um, not too much info at all, yet and still you can't talk about them without Deja Vu being brought up. Now, like I said, both members of the group made the cut, did have some individual works and solo material and will be scored as individuals. However, there wasn't really any additional background information on each member individually that I can find. So instead of getting into that, we're going to move right into the write-ups and scoring of each member. So we're going to start off with Lord Tariq as he was the first of the two to have a solo album out which dropped in 2005. Really? Yep. Peter Gunn's actually never had any solo material at all. Five? Yeah, they came out um, as a group in 1998, and then yeah. Lord Tariq had an album by himself in 05, and Peter Guns never had nothing. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I said, bro, obviously just want classic one-hit wonder shit here, but so here's my write-up of Lord Tariq. Although Lord Tariq didn't have an abundance of material, he pretty much got better lyrically with each passing song. Although he did take shortcuts relatively often, he had some pretty decent lines and was able to hold the topic well. 
He also began to become really impressive with rhyme schemes and syllables, especially on his solo material, and finished just above average lyrically overall. Lord Tariq's catalog was extremely small, only qualifying two albums for scoring, one of which was a collaboration album with Peter Guns. The album with Guns was borderline good slash great, and his only solo album was a great album. Of his 32 qualified songs, five were great, another 11 were good, and none were weak. 50% of this guy's songs were good or better, and small body of work or not, that's impressive. Realistically, both Lord Tariq and Peter Guns were one-hit wonders with Deja Vu and never seeming to be able to duplicate that success. On top of that, they had a very small body of work and no visible impacts on any other artist thus far. When it came to originality, there was nothing much in either direction, but a couple of unique song ideas and little things here and there were enough to slightly tip the scales. So... Like I said, unfortunately, not easy to find much info on this guy, but even though we see a very short-lived, small body of work, that write-up seemed to be decent other than that. So I have to ask, was there anything in that background that caught you by surprise at all? Not really. I mean, I wish it was a lot more like informative and talkative. Psh, bro, I couldn't find a damn thing on these guys, bro. What happened? I couldn't find a damn thing on either of these fucking guys. It was brutal, and I looked for days, too, bro. I mean, like, bro, to be completely honest, I didn't realize that was who they were, like, until you said that. Yeah, that's them. And that's, and again, that response from you is a classic one-hit wonder. People don't even know that they know them until they hear the song, and then they're like, oh, that's them? <laughs> yeah. So, again, it's just everything about these guys. And I'm not, I'm not saying it to be a dick, because I never had a hit. So, so I'm not saying this to shit on them. I'm just saying it is what it is. These guys are just classic one-hit wonders. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even mad at them. Like, God bless you. <laughs> you know, like for sure. You quasi made it. I I hope they're still eating off that song, bro. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's check out the math for Lord Tariq. So lyrics, I gave him a five and a half, and. I, I say this in every episode. I don't necessarily compare scores with people to try to, like, pin people against each other. I understand everybody's pinned against each other anyway. But my point in saying this is that the, the episode is because it's chronological order. I'm not purposely pinning, like, Lord Tariq against DMX. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But DMX gets the better score here overall. Um... They got these scores in dramatically different ways. Like DMX, even though he didn't have an overabundance of material, it was way more than Lord Tariq had. And DMX was more of, you know, a certain high and then was, you know, pulled a little bit back down at a certain point. Whereas Lord Tariq had a very, very, very small body of work. And for the most part, he was, he was impressive on it. But not ridiculous, and with that small of a body of work, you would have to be ridiculous to climb that high that quickly. Hasn't he, like, posted on his name the past 20 years? I don't really know what he's been doing at all. Okay. I have. I don't ever, ever hear his name. Peter Guns, I've heard his name uh, maybe, like, five years ago, and the only reason I heard his name is because Meme used to watch some show... Uh, I, I want to say it was maybe some sort of love and hip-hop show or something along those lines. 
and I guess he was on it. So like whenever, whenever like rappers would be on it, like she'd ask me like, yo, do you know who this guy is? He's on this show. So I remember her asking like, you know, Peter Guns, he's on this show. And I was like, yeah, fucking deja vu. And she's like, yeah, you do know him. So I was like, well, everybody knows that fucking song. Like, you know, but yeah, Lord Tariq, I have no idea, bro. Like I said, he had the album in 2005. So that album was at, at this point, 17 years ago. And I I really didn't even know of that album. Like I, I didn't know that Lord Tariq had an album in 05 until I did this study. And, and even if I did, that was still 17 years ago and I haven't heard his name since. So I have, I have no idea what he's up to at all. All right, so albums, he gets a 5.45 with zero classics. Now, again, this is one of those things that you got to kind of like pay attention to a little bit here. So first of all, he only had the two albums. Out of the two albums, the one was good slash great, which was the one with Peter Guns. And then the solo album was a great album. So obviously those are good scores as far as the albums are concerned. So that 5.45 is a solid score, but again, not able to maintain that. That's just a score compared to DMX's 5.73, which was over the course of a major drug issue and eight albums. And DMX had two classics, no classics for Lord Tariq. So the numbers themselves may seem numerically close, but at the end of the day, DMX's is way more impressive and he gets those oh, two absolutely. extra points for the two classics, which is obviously key. There's a point two here and a point two there and a point one there and a point one three there is a lot of points. <laughs> yeah. Now, songs, he gets a plus 1.6, which is a really solid score. So fucking good scores for everybody in the songs department so far today. But again, you got to keep in the consideration... A small body of work, so it this kind of works in his favor and kind of works against him. So it works in his favor in the sense that he only had five great songs, but it still happens to be 16% of his material because he only had 32 total songs. So it's like, all right, you only had five great songs, but you only put out 32. So that, that is a solid percentage. But with putting out such a smaller body of work, you're really limiting your chances at getting like classic albums and shit like this because, again, with only five great songs, you'd need five great songs probably on one album to get a classic score. So while it does add up to a good song score, he's majorly limiting himself with only 32 total songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get it. But... So... so numbers. Still a solid score, for sure. I mean, for yeah. a guy that really only did put out 32 songs, the fact that five were great right. and none were weak is definitely good. I mean, is he going to finish great overall? I don't know, but Probably as an not. actual <laughs> rapper, he right. wasn't bad. Right, I get it. So, Impact, he gets a four, and there's not all that much to say about this. That's, that's a below-average score. I mean, we've basically already addressed in, in depth all the reasons why he's getting a four. You asked what he's doing. I told you I have no idea what he's doing. Um, only two albums, very small body of work, 32 total qualified songs. Um, 
one-hit wonder, no real other artist directly influenced or anything like that. So, listen, if it wasn't for the one hit, this could have been a three and a half because there really isn't much else to give them aside for having the one song that everybody knows. Can't argue that. Somebody doesn't fucking know. Yeah, no, of course. Um... And then originality, he gets a five and a half. Like I said, bro, again, with only 32 songs and, and two albums, you know, somebody would obviously have to be off the wall. Like, you know, ODB is somebody that, okay, if you listen to two ODB albums, you you know he's absolutely original. This guy wasn't somebody like that. So with such a small body of work, I mean, bro, even, you know, just go in on the internet and type in Lord Tariq. I'm not saying you won't find anything. Click images. You'll find some pictures. But you're not going to find enough pictures to really gauge like what this guy's image even was or how original he was. So again, when it came to originality, there wasn't an overabundance in either direction. Like it wasn't, oh, well, he took this from this guy and all this. There wasn't all that. But there wasn't anything overly original either. But I do remember in just the small body of work, there definitely were some unique song ideas and just little things like that where I felt that he gets the five and a half as opposed to a five because there wasn't really anything to take away, but there was a little bit there with the unique song ideas. So he gets a five and a half for originality. So in this case, you're going to add those five numbers up because there is no classic album. So you're going to add the five numbers up. You're going to divide by five. And that's going to give you a final rating of 4.41, which puts Lord Tariq in 91st place of 189 artists done overall. So, yeah. So I know that doesn't sound like a great finish. Certainly not a dreadful one, though. Upper middle of the pack there for Lord Tariq. But you got to take some things into consideration here. Only two albums, one being a collaboration album, and either just above or just below average in most categories, which, again, I don't know how closely you've been listening to everything, but we've been seeing more recently, this typically ends you more near the bottom than anything. But Lord Tariq with a solid, uh, a solid album score... And a solid song score. So those two things were certainly able to give him a decent enough boost to where he finishes in the upper portion of the middle. So not for nothing, man, but with a four in the impact department, that's a pretty solid finish. So shout outs to Lord Tariq for doing his thing, even if it was only for a short time. Yeah, I mean, bro, like, kudos. I'll bow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, bro, I... I never had a hit. All said and done, he's going to finish, what, 180? Which um, is so amazing. I think he'll probably be more near the 225 spot. But okay, that's, so again, that's just a play in the law of averages. 50% of the people have ever done this professionally. Right, and you so only I'll, had 32 I'll songs. <laughs> like, I'll dap you up. Yeah. You did. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm trying to... To say with all this shit that I'm doing, like, this is kind of how the episodes go, where it's like, okay, listen, was Lord Tariq one of the best lyricists ever? No. Did he have any classic albums? No. Did he have a, a huge impact in the hip-hop game? Nah, he had the one hit, but that was it, right? Was he an overly original dude? Nah, not really. But, again, he wasn't bad. So it's like, 
you got to give the guy like his credit again 32 songs and two albums and you're finishing i mean he's he's probably going to fucking finish ahead of me <laughs> you know what i'm yeah, saying like so right it's now, like, like Right. I can't argue with it, bro. So, like I said, shout outs to Lord Tariq. Yeah, like, well, that's dope. Alright, so, before we move on, one more prediction from Chucky. Okay. Actually, I think you kind of answered this question already, but I'm going to re ask it to you now that we've had Lord Tariq's breakdown. So, do you expect Peter Guns to finish higher or lower than Lord Tariq? Lower. All right. I know you said I that earlier. Lord I just... Tariq was going to finish like 240th, and I believe I said Peter Gunn was like 280th or 320th or something like that. All right. So. Peter Gunn's going to finish below. All right. All right. Production. <laughs> All right. Random shot in the dark <laughs> for Chucky here. Let's see if he's right. So now we're going to move on to Peter Guns, who actually never had any solo material at all. So even less work than Lord Tariq, but nonetheless, let's read up on my breakdown of him. Okay. I knew of Peter Guns by name mainly because of Deja Vu, but I did not realize that was his only album. Lyrically, he was a bit inconsistent in a short amount of time, but was still very similar to Lord Tariq. He was decent with syllables and rhyme schemes, but took shortcuts fairly often. However, he seemed to be pretty good at being able to hold a topic throughout a song and had some pretty decent lines, finishing him just above average lyrically overall. Peter Guns only registered one album for scoring in his entire career, and that was a collaboration album with Lord Tariq, which was a great album. He also only qualified 15 songs in total. In such a small body of work, he still managed to register one great and seven good songs without any weak ones. Over 50% of his songs were good or better. It makes you wonder, had he put out more work and kept this rate, or even gotten better, how high he could have finished. Peter Guns, like Lord Tariq, had the peak of his entire career in one song. That coupled with the fact that he only had one album and no visible impacts on any other artists, it was difficult to give him a good score for impact. Being that 100% of his work was with Lord Tariq and he didn't do much to add or take away from the originality score, they wound up equal in this category as well. So, very, very similar stuff there between these two guys. Both very small bodies of work and although we do see that Lord Tariq at least dropped one solo album whereas Peter Guns didn't have any at all, but... Other than that, didn't sound like very much separating these two at all, so let's break down the math here for Peter Guns and see where he winds up. So lyrics, he gets a five and a half, which is exactly the same as Lord Tariq. And like I said, there was a period in Lord Tariq's solo work where he did start to get to that point where I was like, oh, okay, like if he would have had more material, I think he, he probably would have scored like a six, like he was trending toward a six by the time that solo album ended. Whereas Peter Guns had just barely gotten to the five and a half. But again, Peter Guns only had the one album and that was shared with Lord Tariq. So Lord Tariq had definitely more of an opportunity to climb and I didn't really think he did enough to get to the next tier. But overall, Lord Tariq probably was a little bit better, but they both got the same scores and they both really kind of got there almost in exactly the same fashion. Albums, he gets a 5.28 with zero classics. So 
He only had the one album to score. Like I said, it was a great album that equated to a score of 5.28 when you multiplied it by 3.3. No classic albums for him as well. Only the one album in comparison to Lord Tariq. So we could see that with Peter Guns getting the 5.28 on the album together with Lord Tariq. And then Lord Tariq's album score being a 5.45. It's obvious that Lord Tariq's solo album was better than the album that they did together. Because it obviously raised his, his album score. But neither of them got any classics. But all three of these artists today, bro... It's it's not common that people get over a five for album scores. So you just happen to be on an episode where all three of these guys did really well in uh, in the album scores department here. So three really good scores here by all three of them. Again, obviously, DMX is by far the most impressive, but all three of them impressive. Songs, he gets a plus .67, which is the lowest out of everybody, and it's not quite... Plus a full point. It's about two-thirds of a point. Um, again, just to touch on how he got that. Only 15 songs in total. No weak songs and one great song. So that came out to 6.7%. Um, and then you move the decimal. So he gets a plus 0.67. So two-thirds of a point there. Which, again, it's, it's not really significant. I think when you get over plus or minus a full point is where it really starts to become significant so it's not really too significant but if you think about the fact that people are losing you know some people are losing points in this songs department right flip that the other way let's say that peter guns doesn't have a great song and he has a weak song instead and he's minus a point six seven you see what i'm saying now you're talking about a, a much bigger of a gap so that one song swing right there makes a giant difference because this guy only has 15 songs. Yeah. So, Impact, same thing. He gets a four. Same thing as Lord Tariq. Now, if Lord Tariq would have had a longer solo career, like say Lord Tariq went on after uh, him and Peter Guns were done and he, you know, he came out with nine more albums that maybe weren't commercially successful but had a scenario like the locks where he had like a cult following and people did know who he was. He just wasn't selling a million albums in a week. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. If that was the case, then maybe I might've raised Lord Tariq to a four and a half. So I don't think that just the fact that Lord Tariq just came out with one other random album that again, not to shit on anybody, but I'm a big, big hip hop head and I didn't know about it. So, right. I don't think that that one album, you know, causes any separation between the two. So, Peter Guns gets the same score, four for Impact. And same thing for Originality. Like I said, 100% of this guy's work was with Lord Tariq. And there just wasn't really anything that he did to add or take away from the originality that was going on with them as a group. And like I said, that Lord Tariq had, like, they had a couple of uh, unique song ideas and things like that. But... Like I said, there wasn't much on either side of the fence, so originality, he got a five and a half, same as Lord Tariq. And in this scenario, you're going to add up the five numbers again because there's no classic album. So you add up those five scores and you divide by five, and that gives you a final rating of 4.19, which leaves Peter Guns in 108th place of 189 artists done overall. So first of all, you were correct. In your random shot in the dark, Peter Guns did finish behind Lord Tariq. Um, 
So shout out, shout out to Chucky for that one. Um, not a major separation, but it's a pretty decent amount considering the small body of work put out by both of these guys. To finish 17 spots away less than halfway through is relatively significant. That could wind up being over 40 spots when this is all said and done. So obviously that solo album for Lord Tariq worked in his favor as he was able to finish nearly 20 spots ahead of his partner in crime. But like I said, man, with impact scores of four, both of these finishes are fairly impressive. So shout outs to Lord Tariq and Peter Guns for sure. Yeah, I was not expecting it to be that high. Yeah. Lord Tariq, even better. Bless you, brother. <laughs> yeah, again, like I don't want to blow it out of proportion. These aren't great right. finishes, but I mean, you know, it's still it's just good stuff here from guys that really just Impressive. did almost nothing and still got these scores. Like, all right. So before we move on to any of our lists, I need to ask you: Is there anything that we've brought up or discussed at any point in this podcast so far that you'd like to address, or is there anything that we haven't brought up that you feel needs to be noted about any of these guys? Uh, no. Yeah, I I agree. I think we I think we covered all angles with these I mean, guys. I, I, I'm gonna be brutally honest. Like DMX and a lot about the other two. I know dick about. So I, yeah. I can't comment on them at all. I mean, bro, and the, and the thing is... Right, and the thing is, you're also not running a podcast. So you're not required to know any information. I am, and leading into this, I didn't really know shit about them either. So I can't really fault you for not knowing <laughs> too much about them, you know? And, and again, bro, not only were neither of us over-informed on either of them, but when I tried to dig for information on them, I really couldn't even find anything. So it's not really like me and you were just out of the loop. There's like just no loop to be in. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's not really uh, my expertise. <laughs> I feel you. All right, so with that out of the way, now let's get into all of our lists, starting as always with our top 10% overall so far. So... In our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 189 artists done overall. Behind him in second place is Jay-Z. Directly behind Jay is Big Pun, who's in third. Directly behind him in fourth is Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks. Directly behind him is AZ, who's in fifth place. Directly behind him in sixth is Big L. Right behind L is Nas, who's in seventh. And directly behind him in 8th is Method Man. Couple slots back from Meth is Black Thought of the Roots, who's in 10th. Direct, directly behind him in 11th is Killer Priest. Directly behind Priest... What? I said, really? Oh yeah, bro. Listen to that episode when it comes out. Trust me. <laughs> oh, actually, I guess it's... Well, I don't know if it aired for you or not. But it's gonna come out before the DMX one. But I'm not. I don't think it's actually out to the public yet. But when that comes out, bro, I promise you, I promise you, like off record, as your cousin, if you if you are ever going to eat shrooms and listen to an album ever again in your life, and it's not Killer Priest, Rocket to Nebula, I promise you, you have made a very bad choice. So I'm going to take him at your house and you have to babysit me. 
As long as you're not going to act like me, that's a deal. <laughs> I can't promise that, bro. I'm going to get triple. Nah, that was too bad, bro, because I'm like, nah. That was crazy, son. I mean, like, I can tell you yes, but I can't promise that. Yeah, of course, <laughs> and, I, and I get that, because I ate them. I wish I could, but I, I can't. <laughs> All right, so behind Priest... We have Tupac, Biggie, and Jadakiss who are in a three-way tie for 12th. Behind them in 15th is DMX. Directly behind DMX is Pharaoh Monch and Jusala of Jedi Mind Tricks who are both tied for 16th. Behind them in 9th... What happened? Pharaoh is nasty. Yeah, he's absolutely filthy, bro. So who's behind them? Behind them in 19th is KRS-One. And directly behind KRS is Rock of Helter Skelter, who's in 20th place of 189 artists done overall. Really? Yeah, he was... Bro, if you're not up on him, go fucking listen to him, bro. He was dirty. I was about my left leg against that. He was dirty, bro. For sure. Interesting. You'll have to send me some shit. You didn't have an overabundance of material. The only thing I could tell you to listen to is the first three Hell to Skelter albums. That's all he had, but he fucking murders everything. Yeah, well, if all you have is, what, 24, 24 bars on a CD times 15, kill it. <laughs> right, no, you're right. And again, it's limiting his opportunities for classic albums and shit like that, so he's only going to get so high... But he's still in the top 20 right now, so... Hell yeah, bro, you're right. Regardless of what his bandmates do, rap group, whatever you want to call him, he's 20th. He's got to be murdering shit. Yes, absolutely agree. So, it seems to be a trend lately on the show. We got a couple of things to talk about here as far as this list is concerned. So... I've been warning these guys about 1996 and 1998, and the majority of that top 10% overall list is from one of those two years. So, extremely impressive freshman classes coming out of those years, but we see DMX sliding right behind Tupac, Biggie, and Jada for 15th place, just ahead of Pharaoh Monch and Jusalov, Jedi Mind Tricks. And this naturally means we're going to be losing someone from this list today, which happens to be Proof, who hung on to our last place spot last week because of the number of people on the list being raised. But this week, we have yet another addition with DMX, so Proof, unfortunately, not able to hang on to this onto his top 10% spot overall here. And honestly, man, I feel like each exit from this list gets a little bit more painful as... We're really getting down to like the nitty gritty here almost halfway through and we've just had so many incredible finishes at this point that even the people that are being ousted from these lists are incredible artists so tough to see but like I stated earlier in this season not everybody can be top 25 but major shout outs to Proof for making that list for sure and obvious shout outs to DMX who now slides in there so Let's see how long D can hang on to that spot for. I hope he does forever. Yo. <laughs> so, 
I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm a, and and again, I don't I don't say this to be a dick, but now that DMX is gone, I feel like I can almost go back to being a huge DMX fan now. Because and, and again, I'm not even trying to be funny, but when you think about the dynamic behind it, it's like if DMX is alive and doing whatever it is, any outlandish thing that DMX may or may not do, right? For you to come out and say I'm a DMX fan. I love DMX. You're co-signing what he's doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? DMX is gone now. So DMX isn't doing anything to anyone. So for me to just say, yeah, I'm a fan of DMX. DMX has a catalog and I like the majority of it. And I have no problem saying that. I don't have to back or like anything that he does because he's not doing anything anymore. So, yeah. Right. What do you got? <laughs> it, it is what it is. Yeah. So I have to ask: Are there any major shockers or disagreements aside from obviously rock in this top ten percent overall so far? Not really. Fair enough. Um, Some heavy fucking hitters in that list for sure. There are, there, there's people like KRS-One, I told you be higher. I just but want I'm that man to man come out with a classic not. album, bro. Please, he needs to do it. <laughs> For bro, fuck's I sake. You, but like 40 years in the game and flirting with classics for 30 years is kind of what mount for something. <laughs> I mean, bro, he's, like, he's astonishing in... I mean, bro, pretty every one of his fucking category scores is is awesome. So like, he's awesome in every fucking way. Uh, Kevin just wants to do this, doing it for forty years to get that much more, and he can't. <laughs> yeah, I really hope. I mean, bro, if listen, this study aside, fuck the classic album, whatever. I I just hope that KRS One comes out with more music because I'm a fan. Like I said. You used to try to put me on to him, and I never disliked him, but was never really into him like that. But he's I'm dreaming of being a blunt. <laughs> but he's definitely one of my favorite rappers of all time now. So uh, I, I just, just as a fan, bro, I just I hope he comes out with more because I just enjoy listening to his music. He recently just came out with something maybe a month ago. Um, the whole song is just going through all the classic hip-hop dances, and I put it right on Amy and Lily's video list, and they do all the fucking dances with the guy. That's amazing. They love KRS-One, bro. This guy's 50-something years old, putting out fucking music that my daughter's espousing out to in 2022. You gotta be kidding me. That's an old man rap. Hey, bro, listen. I love KRS-One, bro. Love him. <laughs> Karis was hit a long time ago. The teacher, bro. Oh, that song makes me want to lose my mind. That's up there where go to sleep. Which one? Let's go. Oh, yeah, bro. Love that song. And that was a song... That was a song that when I heard that song, knowing... Because you got to understand, bro. Like, every fucking song of KRS-One's that I listened to, I had you on my mind. Because you were always telling me to listen to this dude. So when I heard that song, bro, I had to send that song to you. Like, you know, 
I was like, no, 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 no. Chucky I needs to hear this one right here. Music I made 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean that song's on my list, and it's that just one of those. <laughs> and that's what that song is. It's just one of those very simply put. You can't fuck with me. You know, like I don't even need to be complicated. You just can't. Twenty years ago. What you saying is like. You ain't wrong, bro. <laughs> like, you can't even, like, oh, bro, you exaggerated. Like, you know, like, how rappers do, like, oh, I gotta wait to shoot up, they pull the whales in with, like, or whatever, like Jada said. Yeah. Not like, just really blatantly exaggerative shit to make a point. But, like, he's not exaggerating. He's being totally honest. Yeah, like, that that's what's <laughs> funny, is it could be used as an exaggerative line <laughs> yeah, to make a point, but, but his happens to be literal, my it's man. Great. Yeah. And I'll accept certain exaggerations. You're creative. You know, like the shit he said, like, you gotta wear the whales, but that was funny. Right, like you're not supposed yeah, to take yeah, it that, literally. Right. Right. <laughs> that was funny. He did that shit, and it was like, damn. He's literally <laughs> just literally telling the like, truth. Right, like, that was literal. Like, I did it this way. <laughs> funny, bro. Impressive and amazing. Bro, I don't know if there'll ever be anyone like KRS-One ever again. I I can't argue with that. And I'm actually curious to see, like, going forward, what some of these people wind up doing. Because, I mean, I still got a while to go in this study. So there are some guys that maybe were out in the 80s that are still alive or early 90s that maybe haven't had an album out for a couple of years, but maybe they make a comeback or maybe they're not, you know, officially retired and... You never know. You never know what anybody's going to do. But again, do they outstay their welcome? Do they start coming out with albums in their 40s and 50s where it's like, oh man, would you please stop making music? And again, I don't say that to be a dick, yeah, but... Yeah, well, KRS-One just made an album in his close to 60s and it was his best album I, ever. I mean, yeah, but the man is just... It's like a Bernard Hopkins type of thing where it's like, well... You know, yeah, well, you can't win a title at 48 or whatever it is. And it's like, well, he can. But yeah, but he doesn't count. Like, <laughs> you know, like he doesn't it's count. quite possible. And, I mean, like, maybe he's an alien, but bro, that shit's fucking crazy. Like, bro, you're legitimately, like, I love KRS-One always have. That album is by far his best album. The World is Mind is, like, his, his best album when it comes to, like, a mind album. fuck. That album, like, that's me, like, let's go, like, alright, I'm in, like, you don't have to tell me anymore, like, I'm ready to go. That was the first album of his that I remember, like, sitting up in my seat, and I was like, bruh, he, he's, he's (laughs) snapping on this shit, like, like, he, you could tell that, okay, I listened to KRS-One, right, okay, KRS-One is good, KRS-One's dope. I don't necessarily think, and I'm talking maybe through like five, seven albums here, I'm thinking this, right? Okay, KRS-One's good, KRS-One's dope. I don't really think he's anything like overly special, but he's definitely really good. And then that album came and it seemed like he heard my thoughts and was like, what the fuck were you saying? Like, and just made it a point to like... No, we're going to take shit to another level now. And then... Bro, you know what's mad funny? The way you described it? You know what song I give you credit for and people laugh at me? What? Uh, what's joining this term, song called Will or Will Smith? Yeah, uh... Yeah, the Will Smith remix shit. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, 
I give you nothing but props for it. And they're like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Joey told me Will Smith is nice. I yell, I'm going to bump Will Smith. Yo, Will is nasty. Like, he's not even nice. He's filthy. Again, bro, is he fucking... And this dude comes out with this song, like, that's amazing. I gotta give Joey all props to it. Appreciate it. Again, he, he's he's not fucking Eminem, he's not Pharrell Monch and shit like that. But, bro, he's underrated, like, Will Smith could spit. Alright, so, now let's get into our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who got a lyrical score of 9.5. In a five-way tie for second place, we have Pharaoh Monch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who all got lyrical scores of eight and a half. Behind them, we have a three-way tie for seventh place between Method Man, Jay-Z, and Big Pun, who all got lyrical scores of eight. And then in a four-way tie behind them for tenth, we have... Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, who all got lyrical scores of seven and a half. And then... Uh, Common? Common is tied for what? Eighth place? Tenth. Tenth place. Common, wow. Common is filthy, bro. Uh, I liked Common up until a certain point, so... I actually Sorry. started to hate Common at one point, but it, it doesn't take away the fact that he's filthy. <laughs> About three years before the Drake nonsense, I didn't like him. Common Sense was nasty. Nasty. Common was even filthier. Then, like, he got stupid. I wasn't really feeling it. think you should go listen so to I his stopped. material over the past five years. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I strongly <laughs> recommend it because he's, he's really dirty, bro. Like, like, Common Sense was filthy. Yeah, pay, pay attention, bro, because there's going to be a lot of little fucking subtle lines that you're not even realizing, like our punchlines. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of my favorite songs, you're going to think I'm crazy, is you know that song on College Dropout, Kanye West, Tylib, and Common? Yeah. That song. Yeah, bro. Talib's another one. Filthy. They're all filthy. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, Kanye's underrated like, lyrically. I think, um, I think Kanye, Kanye says a lot of dope shit, like. My problem with Kanye is he's too abstract for people to, to actually conceptualize. Yeah, so I'll agree to that. So, behind all of them in 10th, we get a six-way tie for our last spot, which is 14th place. We got KRS-One, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of Helter Skelter, Slug of Atmosphere, Jadakiss of the Locks, and Killer Priest, who all got lyrical scores of seven. So, no changes to this one today, but I do need to revert to Chucky and see if he has any qualms with this top 10% lyrical list so far. Uh, I don't. Alright. So, now let's get into our particular decades list. We'll start off with our top artists to make their debut in the 1980s. So, your top five artists to come out in the 80s are number one, KRS-One. Number two, Slick Rick. Number three, Rakim. Number four, Rev Run of Run DMC. And number five, LL Cool J. Wow. It's tough when you put LL number five. <laughs> I mean, bro, trust me. LL has... LL has one of my favorite albums of all time, and two of them are actually close. So, I was a pretty big LL fan when I was younger. Not to the point that I was with, like, DMX and shit like that, or Tupac or anything like that, but I definitely fucked with LL pretty good back in the day, bro. 
can't argue with him. He's nasty. So those spots are all but cemented here. So major shout-outs to the legends. And now let's move on to our top five in your 90s decade. So your top five artists to come out in the 90s are number one, Eminem, number two, Jay-Z, number three, Big Pun, number four, Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, and number five, AZ. So I'm he, finding a hard time not putting DMX in that group. He didn't finish well, ahead of any of those guys. What happened? He didn't finish ahead of any of those guys. Interesting. Vinny Paz is that much further ahead of him? Bro, Vinny Paz is one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Okay. Ha- hands down, I bro. Got, I gotta do a lot of further research. <laughs> bro, I gave you an album of theirs to listen to. Servants in Hell, uh, Servants in Heaven, Kings in Hell. It's ridiculous, bro. Do yourself a favor and listen to it. Trust me. I Vin- don't recall it, but... Bro, Vinny Paz is... Music absolutely filthy bro I think he had like 8 classic albums so where's Dio on the list of 90s people the top 10 well DMX is 15th overall and everybody that's in front of him is in the 90s so he's 15th (laughs) you know the only person left on that list from the 80s bro is KRS-One that's really not saying you're wrong that's really tough to hear. <laughs> I know, I know. And what's crazy is that it wasn't like that for a long while. Like, this just started happening in, like, 1996. Well, I mean, the people you have ahead of them, I can't really complain. Yeah. But I do think there's a lot of up-and-coming people that are going to blow past them. I can't argue with it. Because he wasn't that great of a lyricist. You have people like Jake Cole. Who, like, lyrically, will buy him. I think J. Cole is dirty. Yeah, and if he can go on for a 20-year career, he's probably on 10 years now, give or take. Maybe 13, if you go 25 years. He'll be a lot more successful than Earl ever was, unfortunately. We shall see. He he was wrong time, wrong place. Who? But also kind of perfect, Earl. But he was also perfect time, perfect place. Yeah. You're no, you're right. I understand what you mean because for who he was, it was perfect for that era. But at the same time, it's almost like if you said Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr, yada yada, and you went on all played in the exact same right. generation, it's yeah. like, well that's not really fair. Like right. you know, like <laughs> Yeah, like Earl should be higher than 15. Yeah, I agree. Well, I can't, that, and I that's, can't argue with 1 through 14. That's I mean, the crazy like thing. Spots, right. <laughs> and that's the crazy <laughs> thing is that... Like, he's, he's still top 15 of all time. That's what I'm saying is he's 15 overall, and then it's, well, where is he in the 90s? Well, same spot, because all the people ahead of him are from the 90s. <laughs> it just so speaks... The 90s, the 90s are going to win. Speaks volumes about the 90s, but I will also say this about no, the 90s. not really. It, it was just like the generation of rap, like where it grew. Yeah. Look at 90 to 99, like what it was is totally different. But generation, but, the gap grew, like... Yeah, but I will say this though, bro. The 90s has definitely been littered with back and forth... Again, later, like 96, 98, the shit that we've been covering recently, 
we've been having some ballistic finishes. But up until like the mid-90s, let's say, it was second place overall, 173rd place overall, sixth place overall, 180th place overall. So it was like somebody was either really bad or really good. What code you were studying? So what code you're studying now? Like, it's not the same. Right, and it also has to do with the fact of, we were talking about this the other day, it happens with everything, where when shit gets watered down, it's like, you know, there was, I, I believe, 52 artists in the 80s, and there's going to wind up being like 154 artists in the 90s or something like that. So basically triple the amount. So you're looking at a scenario where it's like, well, so many fucking people are coming out in this time frame that, like you said, it's it's like the right place at the right time. At the same time, it's the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, yeah. So it definitely, obviously, make or break some of those artists, and that's why you're getting these really high and really low finishes and shit. But neither artist today able to crack this list. Which, like I said, I'm not sure how close you've been paying attention, but. This is one of the most difficult lists to crack in this podcast at this current moment. It's to the point where you essentially have to finish top five overall. You just don't even make this list. Um, I'll be curious to see if anyone else cracks this list going forward as we're really pulling close to the end of season two here. There's really not that many artists left. So I'm not sure that anyone's going to crack this list at all going forward, but we'll have to see. Um... Now, let's move on to our top regional lists. So we'll start off with our East Coast. Your top three artists to come out of the East Coast thus far are Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York, Big Pun from the Bronx, New York, and Vinnie Paz from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Moving across to our West Coast, your top three artists to come out of the West Coast are Tupac from Marin County, California, Razkaz from Carson, California, and Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. Moving. Sorry, no. Yep. Cube's severely underrated. <laughs> Throwing that out there. By, by in this study or in general? Nope, in general. Nah, I disagree. I think he's actually somewhat overrated. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, Cube is a legend, bro. Like, it's kind of the same thing with, like, DMX. Like, Ice Cube is kind of essentially what I was expecting out of DMX. Like, I expected this legend that really wasn't anything special, but was pretty original and crazy-like, you know? Okay. I got more of that with Cube, and again, Cube came out a long ways before DMX, so I'm not trying to shit on Cube here, because me and you both agree that sports, music, um, whatever the fuck it may be, cars, uh, technology, like... Things need to progress in a forward direction. So the fact that DMX came out in 1998 as opposed to Cube being out in the 80s, obviously you would expect hip-hop to evolve and people in general to be a little bit better. But again, Cube is absolutely a legend. But I think that when people, you know, when, when you talk about like who are the all-time best, and people have Cube in, like, their top five and shit like that. I'm like, bro, you, you're crazy. Like, there's no way Cube is that high. No, listen. Cube is not top five in my list. Not even close. Number one on my list, you're going to tell me I'm so wrong, is KRS one. Eh, Sorry. I mean, that, I wouldn't really, like, overly argue with that. murdering hip-hop from the beginning of hip-hop till today. Murdering it. 
not like, oh, I'm nice, like, nope, you're murdering it. M, J, uh, AZ, and Nas. From the shit you've sent me, that's my order. Bro, they're so filthy, all of them. <laughs> they're so like, fucking filthy. Like, I'm not even trying to be stupid. Like, nobody's ever topping KRS one. Like, blows my mind. He doesn't have a 10 in impact. Like, bro, like, you're you're literally one of, like, the top seven OGs of rap. That is better than 85% of the music. Sorry, blows my mind. I agree, and it blows my mind, too. <laughs> but you, you got to keep other things in mind, bro. Um... There weren't officially any classic albums. He doesn't have like an overabundance of commercial success or record sales and things like that. Not saying that that was his main priority, but I mean, he did have some success with like certain hit singles and stuff. So you can't say that he wasn't at all trying to be successful. Um, but never, I mean, bro, and again... He never achieved, I'll give you that, he never achieved commercial success. So listen, given, given like, DMX's shit, right? Now, I'm not at all trying to make the case that DMX's impact is bigger than KRS-1's, because I have KRS-1's at a 9.5. But the point I'm trying to make is, look at what DMX did as far as record sales and breaking records and musical firsts <laughs> and all that type of shit, Right? Can you imagine if KRS one if KRS one did shit like that, he would have gotten a ten. So I have to leave some sort of room, bro, in case somebody ever does that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And maybe, maybe KRS one does wind up getting a ten before this is all said and done. But I think right now there's slight room where I'm not a hundred percent convinced. And even if I am in my head. I've been convinced about other things and been wrong. So before I hand that 10 over, I'm going to let a good three quarters of this study go by. Just on principle. So, I'm not totally in disagreement to what you're saying. I just think you're not an OG of rap who died in the terms of, like, your music sucked. Bro, that album in 2016 is better than 90% of any rap album released. Yeah, I'll, totally I'll, I'll probably agree to that, yeah. Uh, I'm not even, like, over-exaggerating. On the low end, better than 90% of the rap albums that came out. That track, Let's Go, might be the hardest track of the year. <laughs> like, not even being funny. Legitimately, might be the hardest track of the year. I think it's the most severely underrated track of the year, because that's what makes me want to kill yeah, and that's nobody's a, ever going to bring the fucking song up, which is crazy, and it's a shame, but yeah. it is what it is. Yes, but I don't think KRS-1 can impact somebody nowadays. I don't think it's possible. Rap's too far gone. Nah, I disagree, bro, because you're not listening to a lot of the shit that I'm listening to. There's a lot of people, even what you're saying about the album in 2015, there's a lot of people that you're not even realizing that came out in these years or or had an album in these years that you probably don't even know of that was completely ridiculous. So there's people nowadays that come... Uh, again, I guess I can't speak on people that have just come out in the past couple of years, but people that have been a little bit more like recent than KRS-One and have had albums still through 
2015, 18, 20, 22, etc. like that and are probably still going to come out with more albums, there definitely are some people that you probably don't know about that still sample KRS-One and shit like that and, and pay homage where it's due and are definitely putting out some really, really dope shit, yeah. Totally sucked by that because I cannot seem get much love in today's world. I mean, bro, listen, I know that what I'm doing is a lot and I probably fucking sh randomly text you uh, songs a lot and I don't know like you know what your fucking time schedule is like and how often you get to listen to them but I'm telling you bro I send you some crazy ass shit like <laughs> you know? oh I know unfortunately I don't get to listen to it all <laughs> no I get it that's just natural like I understand that and that's why I just shoot him over because I'm like there they are if he gets to listen to it he gets to listen to it I mean there's very few times you've ever sent me a song and I'm disappointed. And that's mostly when you're trying to be a jerk off sending me a song by Drake. <laughs> yeah, I do do that. <laughs> so it's not like if you like, yeah, you gotta listen to this, I'm gonna be disappointed. Fair enough, I appreciate it. Alright, so let's move down south. The top three artists to come out of the south are Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana, Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia, and Big Boy, also of Outkast, and also from Atlanta, Georgia. That hurts. I was going to say, you know, I just, my eyes just closed. You know how much that pains me. And and I read that every fucking week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I hate Lil Wayne. Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't like his music. I love just, Andre's music. I just can't fuck with it, bro. You, and... you made a point a long time ago, probably about two, three years ago view Andre's music differently I cannot wait for you to finish Luda I'm on, I'm on Luda right now I'm almost done with him well I, I shouldn't I say I'm almost done with him. him I'm almost halfway done I should say I cannot wait for you to finish I really hope um, he beats Little Wayne though I'm not sure he's gonna yeah I just I hate Wayne's voice I just I just can't I just can't fuck with his music and again it's exactly what we were just talking about before where it's like ah oh, you might yeah. miss somebody good I mean listen yeah. technically the guy's pretty fucking good but I I just I just can't I, I can't listen to his music I, I can't do it and I want to be clear I never thought he was good like I always hated Lil Wayne and I always thought he sucked so for me to go into this and say well I still hate his music but he, I was wrong he doesn't suck I really, I really had to swallow shit there, bro. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? See, I never really said his music sucks. Oh, man, I, I did. It. I just hate it. And I hope T.I. finishes ahead of him as well. All right, so let's move to the Midwest. Your top three artists to come out in the Midwest are Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, Proof, also from Detroit, Michigan, and Common really? from Chicago, Illinois. Proof, bro. Oh. Proof is another Shot. one. Proof is another one that he doesn't have a big volume. No, he didn't. But there was he had three solo albums and I believe three with D12. So there was six in not a long in not a long span of time. Wow, that's so, funny because it's the exact opposite of what we talked about when you're releasing too much music. Right. Did not realize he released that much music. Neither did I. I, d I didn't know that he had that much when I was going into him. And Proof is a prime example of somebody exactly like KRS-One, who you were always your KRS-One, KRS-One. And I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Proof with Dirty. 
bro, proof, put this proof song on. And uh, you know me, bro. Go ahead, put the proof song on. Dirty would put the proof, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dirty would put the proof song on and Dirty would be spitting the lyrics and I'm listening and I'm like, all right, it's a, all right, it's a good song. I like it. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking with me. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. I was just, ah, what's whatever. That's the worst. When you're trying to convince somebody somebody's nice and you're just like, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, yeah, it never made me want to go, like, I never, he never put on a song for me, and same with KRS-One, you never put on a song for me where when you guys left, I was like, yo, I'm going and listening to a fucking KRS-One album or a Proof album, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, bro, when I, when I actually did Proof, Proof is another one, bro, just totally fucking slept on him, bro, Proof was pretty fucking dope, man, and... Again, well, I like proof. I, I always did. I'm shocked he's number two. Am I expected? Did not expect proof number two. Who's number three? Common. If I had a guess, I definitely would have put common above proof. <laughs> In all fairness, bro, like there hasn't been. Before the list, like, I would have absolutely said common. <laughs> yeah, well, in all fairness, bro, there hasn't been an overabundance of Midwest rappers so far. I mean, there's, you know, there's been enough of them. I'm not saying, like, these are the only three, but it's not like... So, for example, bro, all the artists today came from New York, and I've been speaking about this episode after episode. That East Coast section of the top regions is absolutely absurd. You got guys finishing in the top five overall that don't even wind up making that list. So... Nobody today able to crack that one, um, and I wouldn't really expect that one to change much from here on out, but you never know, only time will tell. But my point in saying all that is that, let's say you finish nine overall, right? But you're from New York, or you're from, you know, wherever, somewhere on that East Coast. New York, whatever, yeah, I get it. You're not making that list, because these guys are fucking, these three guys that are in here are fucking top five guys, like... The way I see it, Detroit wins number one. I don't see anyone dethroning Eminem. I, I agree to that. I don't think anybody's going to beat Eminem. New York wins number one in terms of, like, top ten. New York's going to have, what, four guys on it? Yeah, at least, bro, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't know the exact number right now. I'll check it in a sec, but yeah, at least. I can guarantee Detroit doesn't have two guys, four guys on it. No, they no, have number it one. Like I'll give you Eminem's greatest of all time. Not gonna argue it. New York's got top ten, like lockdown. But again, bro, it's like you said before about DMX being in the nineties. It's one of those scenarios where you're from New York in the nineties, you're in the best spot and the worst spot. You're in the best spot because that's the birthplace of hip hop and that's that's where everybody is mainly focused on but at the same time it's the worst spot because that's where most of your top artists are coming from yeah i mean it's it's definitely a tough spot you know i always wanted to be top five <laughs> you know like yeah just personally yeah any list that doesn't put him top five like it agitates me i get like, it how is he not top five <laughs> i mean bro there's been many finishes that have really fucking agitated me where like I love the dude and then he finishes wherever and I'm like what the fuck like <laughs> you know like I'm like what I, like I don't every even Wu-Tang member when he 
finished like 200, and they're like 42. <laughs> yeah, I definitely expected them to be more near the middle than where they are for sure. Um, but really quick, before I forget, bro, my point of what I was saying before about the New York list being so tough is that, so use my example of, okay, you come in eighth or ninth or whatever, you don't make that top three list. But Common, Common is in 32nd place overall right now, which I'm not trying to shit on that. That's a good finish. But you could finish in 29th place and make this list. Right. But Common makes it because his area. Right, exactly. So, you know, you got a guy that's number five or six overall that's not in his list, but you got a guy that's 32 and he's in his. Kanye is going to kill the Midwest. And, and I'm happy with all this shit too, bro, because as much as it pains me, and I agree with you about, about the Midwest, Kanye is going to be up there, but as much as it pains me to say Lil Wayne as number one, again, that's kind of like the point of me doing all this shit, is that, okay, when I read that top 10% overall list, was Lil Wayne in it? No, he wasn't. He's not far outside of it. But you wouldn't know that because I didn't read his name. You just know that he wasn't in there. But he still is the best dude to come out of the South so far. So that needs to be noted, whether I want to say it or not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> as much as I don't want to do it, I have to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the worst feeling is like, fuck. Gotta give Jimmy his credit. Yeah, and I really, and I'm <laughs> like, gonna go on record and say this. Like, it's not even like I'm just gonna admit it to Chucky. Like, I'm gonna go on record in front of everybody and say this. Like, and it's it not, and it's there, forever. <laughs> We've hated Wayne together for a long time. <laughs> true, very true. All right, so if you'd like to see any of all of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash Tale of the Tapes Podcast. There's everything on there from um, did not make the cut list, left out, schedule of upcoming artists, um, all the lists that we just talked about in writing and stuff like that. So if you just want a place to see it in writing, that's the best place to follow. Um, you can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I appreciate anybody that could hit that for me. Thank you very much. And unless Chucky has any questions, comments, or concerns, that'll do it for today's episode, man. No comments or anything. Just want to say thank you. Appreciate everyone listening. It's been a pleasure, and let's do this again soon. Appreciate it. So I'd obviously like to say thank you to my cousin, the Chuck Master, for taking time out of his night to hop on here with us and bless us with his presence. So huge shout-out to the Chuckster. And that does officially conclude episode number 56, which was a pretty awesome episode. And next week we got Cameron and rapper-slash-producer Jermaine Dupree. And I think this may have some pleasant surprises in it. So, tell really? the tapes. Peace. Tell the tapes. Might as well.